0: Happy last Sunday before Lent. I was talking to my dear friend, Father Hollowell this past week, and we were talking about how much we as Catholics love Lent. And it really is true, but for some reason, this season of Lent is something that we actually look forward to. And deep within us is this reality that we know we can always be something more. We know that who we are today is not who we want to be tomorrow. We know that there are parts of us that we want to root out. And there's parts of us that we know have not yet been planted. And so this season of Lent is always this season that we look forward to to change our lives. And in fact, you might be like me. I've been actually thinking about the things in my life that I can't wait to change But I'm going to wait till Wednesday. And there's kind of some excitement about that, right? We want to become better. We want to become more of who we know we're called to be. But we wait until Wednesday. I'd like to talk a little bit about Lent today. Our gospel passage says this. Last line of today's gospel passage. Be perfect. As your heavenly father is perfect. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Raise your hand if you are perfect. Okay, so like pretty much we're all in deep trouble. Because Jesus says be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. I was listening to a motivational talk the other day. And the guy said, strive for perfection. If you strive for perfection, you will achieve excellence. You'll never be perfect. But you will become excellent. We are sinners. And we need seasons like Lent to be reminded that we are called to be perfect. We are called to be holy. We are called to be saints. And so we choose to enter into it because we know that God's grace is real. So, I'd like to do a quick review of some of the logistics of Lent. For those of you who work in a business office or interact with people on a daily basis at work or just in your own social groups, you will find in the next few days all of the people that are not Catholic and some of them not even Christian, but that they love Lent. Even when I go over to East Central High School... I always love it like around Ash Wednesday when the athletes are like, hey, what are you doing for Lent today? Hey, what are you doing for Lent this year? What do you do? And I'm just like, and I always like, of course, you know, I'm Father Myers. I'm like, are you Catholic? And they're like, no, but I love Lent. And people are often fascinated the fact that we do live differently. And we as Catholics have days of fasting and days of abstinence. So let's do a little catechesis on and a reminder about our days of fasting and abstinence. So, what are the only two days in the church that you are required to fast? What are the two days that you are required to fast? Ash Wednesday and Good Friday are the only days you're required to fast. However, we should fast more than that. This is the bare minimum is we fast on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, which, by the way, are also not holy days of obligation. Terry Meyer lied to me my entire childhood. Okay? But that's because she was a good mother. It wasn't, you know, like a big lie. Okay? Ash Wednesday and Good Friday are the two days of fasting. What does the church, as a bare minimum, require as a fast? That you only eat one meal, if necessary, And to sustain your strength, you are allowed to eat at two other times that don't equal one meal. Now, when I was in college, I figured out the math on this. So, like, days leading up to Ash Wednesday, I would just increase what my meal size was so that on Ash Wednesday, I would just eat, like, this huge meal, and then my two other meals that didn't, my like two other times of eating that didn't equal one meal, were really like normal meals for normal human beings, okay? So like, this is what we do as human beings. We always try to get around laws, right? Because we're minimalists. And we don't like discomfort. Eventually, when I had my conversion, when I was in seminary, I had these like outrageously pious friends. And during Lent, the entire season of Lent, we would go on a bread and water fast on every Wednesday and Friday. And so for 24 hours, we would eat nothing but bread and water. And, of course, we're on a college campus where you go to the cafeteria, and it's like, you know, gluttony fest, and there's all these different stations where you can get all your food. And so we would always head to the bread station because there was, like, this huge bread station. And then we would get into all these, like, pharisaical laws, Are you allowed to have bread with raisins in it? Are you allowed to have the cinnamon twist bread? Can you put butter or peanut butter? Right? So, like, we can get into all these things. That's not the point. What's the point? The point is self denial, the point is self sacrifice, and the point is for us to be detached from the things that we're attached to. And we're all attached to food. Why? Because it's a pleasure. We're attached to food because of pleasure. And God wants us to be detached from the things of the world. So as a bare minimum, you're required to fast two times, which if you think about it, it's pretty lame. So many of us hopefully are fasting from many other things that we choose on our own to fast from. Whether it be music or social media, whether it be television, Whether it be hot water when you take a shower, whether it be your pillow or your bed, there are many things that we can fast from to be detached from the world and to live a life of greater freedom. So fasting and then the other one is abstinence, right? I always like to tell this story. So when I was in college, I lived in an apartment with a bunch of other athletes and um, some of us were Catholic in the apartment and so we would go to mass and one Sunday, they passed out Catholic calendars, and we had it in our fridge, like most people did in the 90s. And, um, of course, during Lent, it says on Fridays, abstinence. <laughs> and I had a, let's just say, I had a roommate who wasn't living as best as he could when it comes to abstinence, and I'm not talking about meat. <laughs> and I totally convinced him that that's what it meant. I was like, dude, it says it here on the candle. You can't do that on Fridays. It is so awesome. Anyways, okay, so abstinence. Now, here here is what the church asks of us. Jesus died on what day of the week? So we are actually called to abstain from meat every Friday of the entire year. Let me repeat that because people are very confused on this. We are called to abstain from meat every Friday of the entire year. However, outside of Lent... If you're going to choose not to abstain from meat, then you should do some other penance. I know most people think that since, since the Second Vatican Council, like we just said, you don't have to ever do that except during Lent. Well, that's not true. We failed epically on communicating this. And then the whole, what do I do for myself as a penance is always like kind of confusing. But the reality is is that every Friday we are called to unite ourselves to Jesus on the cross because he died for us and he loves us so much. And so every Friday we do some sort of penance. As a bare minimum, we should abstain from eating meat. However, you can do something else outside of Lent. Because if it's your birthday on a Friday and you want to have fried chicken because you live in southeastern Indiana, you can do that. But then you should do some other penance uh, on that day because we love Jesus who died for us on a Friday. But during Lent, it's obligatory for us to abstain from meat. Now, this does not mean that you have to eat fish. You don't have to eat fish. Like, once again, Terry Meyer forced me to eat tuna fish casserole and fish sticks. She forced me sometimes, right? You're not forced to eat fish. You can just abstain from all meat products. Why? People always get concerned. Like, what, this is, why is the church making us do this? It's because we're supposed to live like poor people, and poor people can't afford meat. Poor people right now can't afford eggs, but whatever. Poor people right now, poor people can't afford meat because in, you go back to the history of the church, if you had meat, that means you owned property, that you could raise cattle on. Anyone could go and fish, anyone could go to a lake or a stream, and so eating fish was allowed because fish used to be considered to be a poor man's food. Now that's not always the case but nonetheless that was the intention of allowing someone to eat fish. But Fridays intentionally are supposed to be days where we reflect upon the passion of the Christ and for us to live in a very true sense a life of detachment, a life of simplicity. And so Fasting and abstinence throughout the season of Lent are a way for us to unite ourselves to Jesus. And you are, when you come to Holy Mass or when you come to church to receive ashes on Ash Wednesday, hopefully there's something that you're desiring to change in your life. Hopefully there's something that you're going to do for Lent, either by removing something from your life or Bringing something into your life so you can become the saint that God is calling you to be. That's what we do. Our second reading today said this. Do you not know that you are a temple of God? Do you not know that you are a temple of God? My brothers and sisters, when did you become a temple of God? When did you become a temple of God? At your baptism. You became a temple of God on the day of your baptism. We dressed you in white. And the goal is that on the day that you die... You still are a temple of God, and that's why we dress you in white in the back of the church with a pall over your casket, which is why the individuals who carry your body are called pallbearers, because we cover your body with a pall. Do you not know that you are a temple of God? Besides fasting and abstaining and taking on Lenten disciplines, many of us intentionally during Lent go to confession, and I want to encourage you to do that. And I want to use this homily as well, this Sunday, to make some announcements about some changes, I didn't use the word adjust, some changes that are happening to the sacrament of confession. Some of you remember in 2011 that the, the translation of the Mass changed. Prior to 2011, when I said, the Lord be with you, you said what? What? and also with you, right? Now we say what? The Lord be with you? Right? So there is a translation change in 2011 of the Mass. Since then, many of you, this isn't as public, but the order of baptism has now been changed. The rite of marriage has a new translation. The rite of confirmation has a new translation. Well, just a few months ago, The final translation for the Sacrament of Penance and Reconciliation Confession uh, was released. And it is permissible to start using the new translation beginning on Ash Wednesday. It is mandatory for every priest to use it beginning on Divine Mercy Sunday, the Sunday after Easter. Now, here's the great thing. Nothing changes on your part. It only changes on the priest. And this is... Very important. What is changing does not affect the validity of the sacrament. So a valid sacrament of confession involves a penitent, a person who's a sinner, who comes in and confesses their sins and desires forgiveness. The assigning of a penance and then the priest giving the words of absolution. However, the words of absolution are a lengthy prayer And all that is required for validity is the last phrase. This is the same with the Mass. So the Eucharistic prayer is really, really long, right? We come to you, Father, with praise and thanksgiving through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. It begins with those words. The words that make the Mass valid is, this is my body given up for you. Like, if I was to change those words, the bread would not become Jesus. If I was to be like... This is kind of like the body of Jesus that, we, that offered himself for us in love or something. If I don't know, I've made just some wacko thing up. Like, it wouldn't be Jesus. So there are valid words that are necessary. So, And I'll give you a perfect example of when I, when I, when I do this. Well, actually, let me go back in time. For those of you who are wiser than all of us, and you remember going to, going to confession, and the priest would say the words of absolution in Latin, there used to be a custom where the priest would not say, well, he would say the entire first part of the prayer, but he would say it silently, and then when you finished your act of contrition, the priest would then say, Ego te, ego te absolvo in nomine Patris et Filii et spiritus santi, amen. That's how confession used to be. Now the priests normally say the entire English prayer out loud. However, the only part for validity that's, that, that's necessary is the very, very end. And I'll give you a perfect example. When I go to do an emergency room at a hospital, and they're they are doing CPR on somebody, and I'm called in, At the last moment, I do not go up and say all the lengthy prayers. I literally give the words of absolution, and I absolve you of your sins in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Same thing when I anoint them. I don't say all the prayers that I would normally say if I was going to give some of the anointing of the sick at Mass, or outside of Mass, or in a hospital room, when they're not going to die immediately. If death is imminent, I, I will just say the prayers necessary for the validity of the sacrament, so I'm mentioning all that just because when the new translation comes out, if a priest doesn't say the new words, the new translation, it's still valid. I just want people to like scrupulous and think that like, oh my gosh, my sins aren't forgiven. This priest didn't use the new translation. Because just think about this: like yesterday, Father Man heard six hours of confession at the E6 Catholic Men's Conference. Over 400 men went to confession yesterday at the E6 Catholic Men's Conference. If you Father Mann and I, we normally hear confessions in, in like three minutes. If you start doing math, Father Man heard himself yesterday 120 confessions. That's just in one day. So some priests, I mean, you think about Father Shine or Bill Dorman, who have been hearing confessions for 70 plus years. Like, they might automatically go to the old translation, but it's still bad. So anyways, here's the difference. Ready? Here we go. This is what you used to hear. God the Father of mercies through the death and resurrection of his Son has reconciled the world to himself and sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins. And sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins. Here's the, here's the difference. And... God the Father mercies to the death and resurrection of his Son has reconciled the world to himself and poured out the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins. So it's going from sent the Holy Spirit among us to poured out the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins. And the only other difference is that right before the words that actually make this sacrament valid, it used to say give and now it's grant. So through the ministry of the church, may God give you pardon and peace. That's what it used to be. And now it's through the ministry of the church, may God grant you pardon and peace. And then the words that matter, they all matter, but the words that for validity, and I absolve you of your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's important for us to know these things as we prepare for the season of Lent because all of us, my brothers and sisters, are temples of God. And yet, since our baptism, our temples have become defiled. Our temples have become less of what they were. And the season of Lent is an invitation from God to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. So I encourage you to strive for the perfection that God desires for you. And that we strive to become excellent in the Christian life.